0: to going nuts with the Little Black Dog Rescue Group. Join host Sarah and Erin each week as we dive into all things rescue, dogs, and the dog parent life. The Little Black Dog Rescue Group is a DC area based, all volunteer, all foster based dog rescue. Our goal is to help any abandoned, mistreated, or abused dog find the best possible home in the DC area regardless of breed, color, or size. We strive to achieve this goal with compassion, transparency, and a strong sense of responsibility to our dogs, volunteers foster families and supporters read more about what we do at www.thelittleblackdog.org welcome
1: back to going Mutts. hi aaron
0: hi sarah how are you good waiting for babies to come out of this dog but otherwise <laughs> sure having a good normal day. stuff yeah. <laughs>
1: But uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in to episode one. If you haven't listened to our very first episode, you can find us anywhere you get your, your podcasts. If you don't listen to podcasts, start listening to podcasts. And for those of you that have listened, you said we had 62 <laughs> Listen, I track it. I'm just going to track the crap
0: <laughs> out track it and 56 are of those are unique so uh it's oh, not so just it you listening to it <laughs> over and over again yeah
1: i've officially gotten sick of listening to it so <laughs> oh, God, that's right. uh, we would appreciate a follow on you know wherever you're wherever you're listening to us and we are only accepting five-star reviews at this time so please send any you know four stars or less we're we're open to feedback but Give it in a five-star review form, if you don't mind. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, this will be our mini-sode. So uh, we will have those long-frame episodes like we did on our first, our very first episode. And uh, we will also have episodes that are focused on the people that are part of rescue work and really make it a possibility. Uh, this is where you'll learn about the folks involved. And today, we are starting with me and Erin. Uh, along with our, you know, our rescue work, our real life jobs, all the fun things. Uh, to start off with, we're not talking about our foster dogs because we're going to talk about those on the long episodes. Uh, usually, we will have a guest interview on these episodes, but because we're the hosts and you got to know us, uh, well, yeah, like I said, we'll start. <laughs> we are going to ask everyone. One question in particular. Uh, so all the other volunteers will get a heads up, which is unfair, but whatever. That question is, if you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? Before I answer you asking me, <laughs> what kind of dog would I be? What do you, what kind of dog do you think I would be?
0: I think I told- I, I really, which one you told me? I think I did. Oh gosh, and I must have forgotten. Good. Uh, <laughs> I did think about this. I don't know. I, I. You had a hard time picking your own dog, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did pick my own dog. Okay. I did think of that. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like you gravitate towards, like, the terriers a little bit at the rescue. Okay. And I kind of got the, like, you are very, like, independent and go-getter and just, like, I love Terriers and I love you. So. You're
1: fine. Yes, you're good.
0: <laughs> yes, that was right. kind of like, I couldn't get more specific than Terrier, but that was kind of where I was Jack thinking. Jack Russell Terrier. Jack Russell, Jack Russell Terrier. Oh. I love Jack Russell Terriers. I, my parents have one, actually. Well, she's a mix. But, I grew
1: up with yeah. them and I, I think that that is the dog embodiment of me. I looked up what the personality type is, like what the predominant characteristics are in Jack Russell's intelligent, ding, energetic okay. go yes, stubborn, maybe, (laughs) sure, and clownish, which I'm going to accept. (laughs) I choose. I love it. Accept. All right, I have picked one for you. Okay. Is, Pomsky,
0: Pomeranian
1: Husky mix.
0: I like that. Okay. Do you want to know why? I would love to know why. I was like,
1: all right, what is Aaron like? You have a very like cool. Calm energy, you're, but you're also very cute. So, (laughs) I wanted a dog that was going to be a mindful kind of considerate dog with a cool look. So when I looked up a Pomsky personality, playful, intelligent, uh very loyal were the predominant characteristics. But you you also have the Pomeranian breed experience. And I think the happy part of a pomeranian is that it is as cool as you are, happy kind of shines through with a lot (laughs) of what you are too. (laughs) So what what was, uh, if you were a dog, what kind of dog do you think you would be?
0: So first funny story, I was obsessed with White Fang, the book, as a kid. So huskies are like my dream dog I think like mm-hmm. from my childhood so I love that you said that I want um, wolf hybrid but wolf
1: like that's not a not a,
0: you know I meant <laughs> and you're not totally a pack animal I don't think no 100% yeah. not so I actually picked uh for me and I might be a little bit biased just because I wanted to feel closer to Loki I picked Chihuahua <laughs> because like, so bitchy. Um, unless you are and I just
1: don't know yet sorry
0: you're not <laughs> like that it's too like That
1: part of a chihuahua. You don't flip that hard.
0: So I think it's all internal. Okay. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) So the chihuahua part of me is like, because I am like, if you ask pretty much like my husband or like Uh my family, they would probably say like, I am super neurotic, like a chihuahua. Um, if I don't know you, I'm not going to be super friendly. I need time to warm up to you like a chihuahua. Like I have my people. And if you are not my people, I'm not super interested in being, you know, around you. You have an observant quality to you. You absolutely will sit back and watch for a while
1: before you, you come into like full blown, come into an equation.
0: Yes. And I would say I'm not mean to strangers but you're not, you know, I, I just, you're, I just got my people.
1: You you're not necessarily, I would not walk up to you if I saw you in a farmer's market. <laughs> the first time I realized you were you was at the farmer's market event that we had. And you had these cute little ankle boots on that had this very <laughs> subtle stud on them, you have long sweater. And I was like, what is this? She's got a little black dog shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was you, but you were like, really, there is this quiet observation quality to you you seem to read a room for a while before you you break into it all the way
0: <laughs> i yeah so that totally. like i feel like chihuahuas are maybe a little more talkative than i am yeah. but <laughs> internally enough. i feel like a little bit of like a so maybe i can be like a palm chi husky which would be the most absurd dog ever created but also maybe my perfect dog <laughs> um, all right
1: well i'm glad to know
0: we're both small breed dogs
1: I look forward to finding out what other people are. Okay, so, all right, glad to know what dogs we are. Can you tell us just a little bit about what you do professionally?
0: Right now I'm working in policy research. So I started my career on Capitol Hill, actually, um, and I was there for a few years, and then I've done a smattering of other jobs, and now I'm uh, leading the policy research department at a government consulting firm.
1: Is that why you also are good at numbers? With your job, do you have to do data anal- data analytics at all?
0: I'm actually terrible at numbers. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> I, um, no, you're not. My uh, chief of staff at my first job always said that we won't win into politics because we can't do math. And I think that's pretty true. Um, I can do basics and mm-hmm. I can make a spreadsheet. I, can, I mean, I live in spreadsheets. I love them. But uh, yeah. numbers are are hard for me. <laughs>
1: Do you have to reinforce the policy that you put together, or are you just responsible for working with staff to draft and like make formal a policy?
0: So I really just analyze policy that's been proposed or is out there already, um, and mm-hmm. then sometimes work to kind of strategize you know, how to implement one policy versus the other, um, but for the vast okay. majority cool. of the time... That is the I mean, cool part of that. Yeah, vast majority <laughs> of the time it's, you know, what is this policy? Explain what it is and why it matters.
1: What was the very first job you remember wanting? Like, when you were oh, a kid? A kid kid.
0: Uh, veterinarian.
1: I wanted to be a monkey
0: trainer. <laughs> <laughs> that is and then Everybody, everybody I so talked to was like,
1: why? That's weird. And I was like, because Jane Goodall is like a legit uh, thing right now. Yeah,
0: Jane Goodall. She was cool. I could she see was that. very
1: important during my childhood. So, <laughs> she was doing some crazy monkey stuff. Was
0: it tricks? Or was it like training them to do like the sign language and the painting? I,
1: I could like, them okay. and hang out with them. Okay. And like understand them. Because they struck me as an animal that would be the, like, other than people. I apologize for running downstairs. Other than people. They were the closest thing that could communicate with us. I think sign language was a big, big part of it. So what was the movie with the, the monkey that could speak? It was like a... Uh, Congo. It Was it, was it Congo? Yeah. Congo is in my head. I was like, That's not it. Is it. It is. It is.
0: I Congo. actually watched that not that long ago. <laughs> it's a great movie. Watch it again. I should watch it again.
1: Uh, monkey Trainer was the first one. And then I found out that monkeys throw poop at people. And I was like, oh, I want to be an astronaut instead. So I went into the like typical people or like little kid jobs that they want to be when they grow up. Uh, how do you think your current job translates into rescue work? What about your current job that you do makes you better at rescue work?
0: I, I think the writing helps. Um, I think Absolutely I, think <laughs> I never appreciated how good writing can be hard to find and not to like be, you know, tooting my own whore, and I'm a good writer but I think I'm a good enough you're writer, entirely right and I think that's not always like I don't think it's a skill that comes to everybody so I think that helps on the creative side although we have people I mean because I am so like technical in my writing there are people on the creative team that are much better at some of the like creative writing um but I think also um my jobs have always been kind of a 24 seven footing. Like it's always been you're on and and you can multitask and you can organize. And, and um, I think that's, that's helped a lot in kind of getting up to speed on the rescue and then kind of keeping things on.
1: At a pace that is important. Our pace is, has a lot to do with, I'm gonna say customer satisfaction, but making sure that the people are that are interested in rescue stay interested in rescue, Mm -hmm. and it speaks to I. So, how do you think your current job? I guess other than what you just said, speaks to the creative side. That feels more like a you thing, a you quality than maybe necessarily a job outlet or association. Else,
0: oh, that's completely something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh no I I wanted when I got over not got over but when I decided that I would not be able to be a veterinarian I very quickly fixated when real life became a thing art school (laughs) yep (laughs) well yeah so then I went from like a veterinarian to then I wanted to go to art school um or fashion school that was a couple years too I wanted to go to fashion Mm -hmm. school so I always had like this desire to do very creative things um. I've done jewelry making, I've done painting, I did photography, um, but I chickened out when it came to actually picking a career path and went a more practical route. But the creative side, yes, I think we have that very much in common. We do have that in common.
1: I was like, I can't do creative professionally. I'm not that good at it. <laughs>
0: that, was my, that was
1: my internal dialogue, which was not kind. It was not kind enough. I could have done it had I decided mm-hmm. to. Anybody can do anything they decide, and eh, they could try. They can definitely try. <laughs> I have, like, a part of it for me has also been, I like to do this thing, that I personally get enjoyment out of, eh, I was going to say sewing. I don't know that I get that much enjoyment. <laughs> I like a finished product, but it it's always, like, a, a process to get there. And it's rarely, a like, a, a straightforward, this is just happy and I'm doing great the whole time process. It's, like, trial and error until the end result, <laughs> I I didn't want to ruin a thing I liked to do by make it making it something I did for a living. And that was I I mean I learned with yoga later that technically I could just get paid to do a thing that I like to do. <laughs> and that is that's also very nice. It's a nice thing. So I I mean, I am shocked all the time at How intuitive, I said it the last episode, intuitively good you are at the creative stuff for a person that seems to have a fairly uncreative, sorry, uncreative real world job. I, so I love my, my big girl job. I have a background undergrad in biology. I got a minor in forensics when like CSI was becoming a really cool thing to do. It was, I was the first graduating class from my undergrad to graduate with the, that's when they started the undergrad in forensics. It was fun. It was very cool. I thought I wanted to be a forensic pathologist when I graduated undergrad. And then I was like, but medical school seems like a lot. I did do a, um, like a little internship I was snuck into is how I say it snuck into a medical school, gross anatomy class. So I did, um, I got to do gross dissection of a cadaver that was little lady. It was muscles of the head, neck, and upper extremity. But I have always considered myself, so after I got out of undergrad and was thinking really about what do I want to do, I have persistently been okay with the grosser kind of more human high emotion situations. And I thought for a little while I wanted to be a funeral director. Uh, in the meantime, I got an interview at an organ procurement organization in North Carolina. I remember my mom saying to me, "Why do you think they want you? Why do they want you for this job?" And I was like, "I don't know. I didn't tell them. I just applied for it." <laughs> and one of the questions was. Hey, one of my favorite bosses asked me this, what's your dream job? And you can't say this one. And I said, funeral director. <laughs> He's like, oh, tell us why. I said, because it's high emotion. There's a creative component to it. You have to make them look better. And I am okay with the grosser aspects of, of the job. Uh, it, it's, it feels like a hard thing to do. It, it has a human component and it has a creative component. Uh, It is also the very last impression that you leave on a person. It's the last impression with with their loved one. And I feel like I can be supportive in that. So I got that job. (laughs) I was the quality assurance coordinator. I looked at death charts and made sure we followed the process that we were supposed to. Uh, I fell in love with organ donation in that job. Fell in love with it. Um, I transitioned to transplant because there was no upward mobility. Uh, in, in the OPO, uh, that I worked for and I was, I had just actually, I think I was a quarter of the way through my master's in quality, uh, in technology systems with a concentration in quality systems and my Lean Six Sigma black belt degree. That is not, or certification. That's not karate. Everybody thinks it's karate. It's very disappointing. <laughs> I'm not in an industry. I'm in an industry now that is becoming more familiar with Lean Six Sigma practices It's all process improvement. All very boring. Nobody cares about this. Uh, But I I love organ donation and transplant. It takes a very sad thing that's happened. One person can save eight people's lives. Eight. The very last thing a person does as a thing in the world can be save eight people's lives. (laughs) And that's crazy to me. So to then move to transplant and see the side that is the people that it saves is very cool. Uh, I, I started in the adult world. I'm now in the pediatric world. It's a very different mentality. Adults do it to themselves. Adults are the reason a lot of the time. They're the reason that they need the transplant, that that organ is failing and they need a new one. So they have to prove that they, they can keep the new one alive. Um, Kids don't have to do that so much. Uh, a lot of whatever the thing is that got them to the place that they're in is because they were born with a condition that is life-limiting and creating their organ failure. I, I see a lot of associations between transplant and...
0: <laughs> That's not what no, I mean. I was going to say I see the same str- thing. I see like a <laughs> correlation in, and you see something that is just it can be just really terrible and sad mm-hmm. and horrible and you are part of that solution in making it not you know making it a little bit better for that dog so i i i was thinking the same thing i know it sounds weird but i was thinking the same thing <laughs> it does struggle. I think
1: equity is a hu- I know equity is a huge focus and reducing barriers to transplant is a very it's a very big focus i uh, in the organ donation transplant world and i think that that has translated strongly in the way that i have have focused the rescue or have tried to to ensure that there is a focus in the rescue space that we are we're not here it it absolutely could be harder to rescue a dog than yep. buy a dog from a breeder and that should not be the case There are people that want to rescue dogs that want to be responsible and we can help them figure that out instead of making it hard or instead of making sure this dog gets the best home possible by putting in barriers or building in hurdles for hoops for people to jump through. We don't have to do it that way. We can help them help dogs and they, they want to do it. Why would we, why would we make it more complicated? Uh, I kind of get it, too, though. If you make it a little more complicated, they (laughs) want it a little bit more. (laughs) I think that's the logic behind it, anyway. Uh, Let's
0: see. We've talked about how there's a relationship between what you do for a living and what uh, the rescue does, but kind of what brought you to Rescue World. I think this is a
1: combination of self-fulfilling prophecy and COVID boredom (laughs) and then loving dogs. (laughs) I... Uh, but I I think that I have always been waiting for the little black dog or the black dog that changed a lot of things to introduce itself to my life. I thought that was Mac for a long time uh, because he helped me personally so much during a custody battle. It was really hard. Uh, and it was the second time that we were doing it. It was just a difficult, it was a difficult moment in my life. And he, he was there for me and supported me emotionally the way that I needed it. Uh, I also had reupholstered all the furniture that I could reupholster in my house (laughs) and was sick of it. (laughs) So I needed a new thing to do. And I started fostering with a local rescue. Uh, That's where, you know, many of us met. And when we saw opportunities to do it in a way that could help more dogs, we left that rescue and started this one. And that story is more interesting too, but we don't need to talk about that anytime soon. I'm, I, I am very glad that the little black dog is a rescue that has brought so many very talented people together. And and you were one of those. You, I already said it, the the first time I remember meeting you, although I'm sure I should have remembered this before this (laughs) was at the farmer's market. That's when I like face to name knew who you were, but you were the person that Ansel answered like hundreds of emails before then in a way that I I would have stopped after the fifth <laughs> repeat question like <laughs> I can't do I can't repeat myself. It's a problem. I'll do it three times and then <laughs> you're, you you' not listening to me. <laughs> I get real rude. <laughs> uh, what about you? what what brought you to rescue world?
0: Kind of what you were saying getting Loki took a very long time. Um, I wanted to rescue. I knew I wanted to rescue. Um, and we were having so much trouble finding a rescue that would either work with us or that the dog wasn't adopted before our application was even reviewed so between like the demand and then like some of the rescues they you know we both worked full-time and they just didn't want to work with us um so we did finally find loki um do you think that's
1: because you were in an apartment or younger people? What what was the, what do you think the reason was?
0: I think it's because we weren't at home all the time. Okay. Um, that was the big one. And then they were like, well, I was like, well, we'll obviously have a dog walker come for her or mm-hmm. a dog. Um, we actually, we got the closest we ever got other than Loki was a dog from South Korea. Um, wow. Holy moly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this little white, fluffy, like Westy looking thing um but they they were like you would have to pay to send the dog to daycare every day and we were not you know we weren't making big money so we were like we couldn't afford to send the dog to daycare every day um we'd have it walked you know in the middle of the day but they just they were not consideration about whether the dog needed it it was just like you can't leave that dog alone for eight hours a day um so loki that was the first rescue that was willing to like talk to us and we actually applied for another dog um and then it was adopted before we got interviewed so then we were they called us for the interview and they were like oh she's gone but mm-hmm. we'll just approve you and i was like all right fine i was actually on the other co- i was on the west coast for a work trip i saw loki online and emailed them at like 4 in the morning eastern time being like save this dog for me so yeah so loki um was kind of my intro into the rescue world and i found little black dog kind of because of the name i think it was shared by one of the other dc dog accounts um I was also in COVID in the middle of COVID and I was looking for a productive use of my time that wasn't work. Um so and um I came on as just email newsletters and then I started answering emails and then you took a chance on someone with no creative background professionally um to do much more. For what if <laughs> I didn't know I was
1: doing that? <laughs> I was like, this person has excellent (laughs) response time. (laughs) And she's always, like, she only asks questions about things once or twice. Or, like, for specific situations. And your response time was incredible. Your answers were always very good, very appropriate. And that's kind of what I look for in any volunteer, is how quickly can you respond? The rest, we we can work it out. We will work that out. And then also how good is your connection with people because the creative director has a lot to do with Mm -hmm. the creative team and you have to be able to listen to people and understand what they need to help drive that team successfully and you do that really well too (laughs) you're very very good team team effort you do that's true
0: (laughs) I have a great team so they make it really easy for me Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I I can't thank you enough for taking that chance uh, because I think this is one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. <laughs> so I just I just really appreciate that, and I appreciate yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. you've given me. To, you talk about me all the time. I guess I about do. You That's true. <laughs> I just very much appreciate all that you've done and all that you do. I don't know how you manage all you manage. Um, and I just appreciate it. Lack of sleep is how I do it. Yep. (laughs) Sleep deprivation.
1: I'm going to do quick fire questions. The last one will be, you don't have to answer super quick, but you can. I think it'll warm us up to it. Sing a song to me that is a song that you sing to your dog. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Do you want mine?
0: (laughs) I would love yours because mine's weird.
1: Who's a goog? Who's a This is Nick started this and he sings it to Cece when he comes in the door when Cece walks up to him because she starts to go like this.
0: And like, Who's a goog? It's like a little dance with it, you know? <laughs> um, Loki's, oh gosh, I'm like blanking on the tune of it now. It's because I sang my song. Yes. Um. Oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, it's really bad. Do it. She's a boo-boo, and we love her a lot. <laughs> is that it? No, but the second line's even weirder.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. I, I'm going to start. I'm going to steal this song. So,
0: She's a boo and I love her a lot. <laughs> so, I see the wiggling, too. The The Continue. problem is that Evan and I like kind of jointly created the song. So like oh I goodness. started with that line, and then Evan jumped in with another line, and I said it didn't make any sense, but we just kept it. Mm -hmm. So, it's she's a boo boo, and we love her a lot. She likes horses, (laughs) (laughs) but not today because she only likes horses on Wednesdays. We've decided. (laughs) Oh
1: man, this song is amazing,
0: (laughs) Erin. So we are literally the weirdest dog (laughs) parents. (laughs) What is this? That this is a song. It's so I think I sound it in my head as um the anthem by Good Charlotte.
1: Yes, that's and what it's it
0: mm-hmm. I think Evan thinks it's something else, and I forget which one it is. It's like an older song because he yeah, he's was in the classic rock, so his his references are all classic rock. Mine are all like early two thousands emo. So yeah, um, yeah, in, so. Yep. it's a super <laughs> weird song. <laughs> <It's> amazing, <laughs> but Loki seems to get a kick out of it. <laughs> I get a kick out of it. <laughs> I'm with Loki on this one.
1: Uh, what was the worst thing that ever happened to you? My dad died. When, in 2009. Right after my kids were born. Well, two years after my kids were born. After a long, well, two years down with cancer.
0: Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, Meeting, Mine's Meeting Evan. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I think ours are going to be super obvious. Mine was having my girls and then meeting Nick and his Evan that is now my Evan. My stepson. Any fun facts? What is your, like, go-to... Fact about you that other people might not know.
0: Um, I have actually won tickets to the Super Bowl. (gasps) Cool. Which one? In 2013, I don't remember what number it was. uh, The 49ers played the Ravens in New Orleans. And I was automatically entered. And I thought it was a scam. And then I called my bank and they were like, it's not a scam. You won. I was like, okay. So my dad and I went to the Super Bowl.
1: Cool. That's amazing. That's a very good one.
0: Without you,
1: uh, I'm 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 an identical twin, and I have identical twins.
0: That's My girls are.
1: Right there. It's not a thing. My mom told me when I was pregnant, make sure you tell the doctor that you're a twin because that will matter. And I went, no, no, it won't, <laughs> because identical. It's not hereditary. Fraternal twins are. Yeah. Identical twins are freaks of nature. <laughs> Pretty ones. <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to happen. So, yes, not a thing. That's a lot of twins. Uh, All right. Red, blue, or black pen?
0: Uh, blue. Why? Because it's not as boring as black, but I can see it, and it can still be used on legal documents.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Black is mine, because that's what you have to sign stuff with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do have a red marker in my hand. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) I don't like writing in red because it looks aggressive. It
0: does look <laughs> aggressive, yeah. I, I look yeah. to myself, people. <laughs> it's like <laughs> correcting papers and... <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: F. <laughs> Failed this one, Sarah. All right, and last one. Why are we like this? Why are you like this, Erin? God.
0: <laughs> That's a really long answer that I don't think we have time for. <laughs>
1: No, we're supposed to keep it to 30 minutes. Yep,
0: <laughs> we, uh, we can explore that later. We will
1: explore it over time, I think. Yes. I look forward to asking other people.
0: Quick fire
1: and then ending on, Why are you like this? <laughs> what happened to you? What happened to you, babe? <laughs> it had to be a good thing. I, part of my answer is my karmic debt. That's what it is. This seems like a good, persistent way to pay off any kind of karmic debt that I'm aware or unaware of. <laughs>
0: huge believer in karmic debt so (laughs) uh all right Uh, we can go ahead
1: and wrap up i think this was a great getting to know us i'm sure people will get to know us a little bit better and i look forward to having another volunteer on for our next mini episode uh as a reminder to all 60 some probably more now because i'm a positive thinker (laughs) everyone's Liking, following, sharing, and giving us five-star reviews. At this point, exactly, uh, you can follow us or find all of our info at thelittleblackdog.org. Uh, we are thelittleblackdog.org, as Aaron said last time. If you've what was it? If you're if you've hit Connecticut, you've gone too far. Yep. <laughs> uh, we are based in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. You can also sign up for our email list uh, through our website. You can make a donation. Please, 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 please. Uh, Or become a monthly donor. Even better. Uh, The link to fundraisers. So we have a couple of fundraisers going on. One in particular. I have a birthday fundraiser going on. Because my birthday is at the end of the month. (laughs) Just wanted to be obnoxious about it. Uh, We also have a dog specific fundraiser that's going on. That we will include in these episode notes. And uh, the next episode's notes. All If you don't follow us already, find us on Instagram and Facebook. We do takeovers every Tuesday for our dogs, and they're a great way to get to know our pups. You'll follow them throughout the day. That is it for me. What, any updates from you, Erin?
0: Yes, we have one adoption event um, scheduled upcoming. So that's going to be, is actually was supposed to be this past weekend, but due to the March snowstorm, we are now having it on March 26th. It's Meridian at Braddock Station, Alexandria. We'll have some puppies there, pup cups, vendors. It'll be a fun time. Um, And then also, with St. Patty's Day coming up this week, um, tag us in all of your festive dogs wearing green, dogs celebrating photos, and we'd love to repost those. So, yeah, that's all for me. Green green dog food. What is that? Don't (laughs) Don't don't dye your dog's food green. (laughs) Don't dye your dog's food. That was a bad (laughs) suggestion. I don't know
1: if you if you show it to us you're in trouble now.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: All right, well, until next time from the bottom of our little black hearts. Thanks for hanging out with us.